This is a serious uh, vulnerability. This is quite a serious vulnerability. And these caveats can eventually result in a fund loss. There are several solutions for this. Hey guys, uh, my name is Ish Goel and I'm the CEO at Somish Blockchain Labs. This is our second episode of the Smart Contract Auditing Podcast and I've got Nitika along with me. If you are a developer who's writing smart contracts, if you're interested in the DeFi space, this podcast is for you. We'll be discussing a lot of stuff around how to write good smart contracts. In this specific video, we are going to cover the top three uh, caveats which you must be aware of when writing smart contracts. Um, and the fact that these three issues can eventually lead to fund loss from your smart contracts. Uh, so Nitika, uh, the first topic that we're going to discuss today is that of re-entrancy attacks. So can you help us understand what are re-entrancy attacks in smart contracts and uh, what are the problems that arise because of re-entrancy attacks? Re-entrancy attack, uh, it's, it occurs when like a function, it makes an external call to another untrusted contract before it resolves the effects that should have been resolved. Okay. So for example, I'll give you a a sure. very straight example. So there is a contract and uh, say people are pulling in funds into this contract okay. and say uh, uh, like after 30 days, you can just withdraw your funds okay. with some interest. So suppose this is a very simple this functionality. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, you'll have a function where you come and you claim your uh, investments plus your interest after 30 days. Okay. A standard function would look like I would check that uh, have 30 days passed mm -hmm. that would pass mm -hmm. and then I would transfer the funds to you and I would just mention like this person has claimed so okay. something like this this okay. is a very simple example sure. that I'm taking okay now what would happen is that if this uh, person to whom I need to transfer the funds is a contract okay it's an untrusted contract of course and this contract calls back my function okay. through which I was trying to claim the rewards so what happens is uh, this uh, contract triggers the function to claim uh, his rewards. Okay. Uh, it passes the check. Yes, 30 days have passed. It transfers the money to this contract. This contract calls back the first function again. Okay. Now, I have not marked this claimed true as of now. So for me, the funds have not yet been withdrawn. I see. So yeah. what happens is I transfer the funds again and this is like a loop which keeps on happening and happening and sure. happening. Okay. So this is quite dangerous because this can actually drain out the entire funds of your contract. So it can allow an external party to enter your contract right. and eventually drain the funds from uh, that's right. from that contract. That's right. Okay, that's, this is a serious uh, vulnerability. This is quite which... a serious vulnerability. Okay. Now, uh, Typically, there are two types of re-entrancy attacks. Okay. So one would be a single function and one would be a cross function. So what the example that I just gave was a single function, wherein uh, the external contract was calling the same function through which uh, the funds were being transferred to that uh, contract. Okay. There can be a complex scenario where uh, I have put a re-entrancy guard on my this function, mm -hmm. which was initiating the transaction. But the external contract is calling some other function of my contract, which is using the same state that was being used by this function. So for example, there is another function which also has some method to transfer funds again. And because I have not marked claimed as true, instead of this function uh, passing on the funds, that the other, the second function is able to pass on the funds. Okay, okay. So this is very tricky because it's very difficult to find out. Right. That's where I think uh, most of the contracts 
fail because mm-hmm. uh, nowadays we know that we have to put re-entrance guards but cross functions cross functional checks skip are, uh, are easily skipped yeah fair enough so uh, the bigger uh, the bigger issue that we're talking about if i talk from a non-technical standpoint is that if you have a re-entrance bug in your smart contract so the attack surface is high in terms of fund loss yes. so people can um, uh, up, people can simply call functions of your uh, contracts and they can re-enter the same piece of code and eventually uh, drain the fund that's right okay so the second one that we are going to talk about again from a fund lock uh, fund loss perspective is that of uh, signature replay attacks so can you help us understand what are signature replay attacks yeah so um, there are use cases mm-hmm. where uh, instead of a person directly initiating a transaction allows another person to initiate transaction on his behalf okay there are some cases where this is required as a part of the business process mm-hmm. So in this case, what happens is I sign my transaction via my private key, mm-hmm. and this generates a VRS signature that mm-hmm. we uh, call it in technical language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happens when I send the data along with my signature? The contract generally tries to uh, recover the public key of the um, person who was trying to uh, make the initial transaction so okay. basically uh, it would uh, check the data and the signature and match that yes this transaction should have come by a the person who signed it okay so this is the general flow okay now what happens is the message which is being signed if this message is not unique it can be replayed so for example i said that please transfer 10 ether on my behalf i signed that once and if this does not have a unique something unique in it mm-hmm. what can happen is somebody else can replay this again and again and again and that would just transfer my funds again and again and again but can you help us understand why would how can somebody sign a transaction without having private key of the specific address so like i mentioned i have signed it once okay. so i have generated a vrs so they copy the data. vrs so they copy the same data they replay the same data okay. and the vrs i see so because there was there is no check that this data is being replayed mm-hmm. the signature gets replayed okay. also this is like something which happens on the mainnet mm-hmm. there are times when what happens is that i have tried and tested my application on a testnet mm-hmm. and what i tried and tested on testnet is being replayed on mainnet so this is all the more dangerous mm-hmm. i see again results in fund loss yes cool so anything else you want to talk about from a signature replay perspective or do we move on to the next one it's just there are several solutions for this mm-hmm. um nonce being one of the solutions okay. and there are several other ways to handle it it's just that there has to be something unique about Which your data and you every... have to mark your data as complete so this has been analyzed okay so the last uh, bug that we are going to discuss today uh, is that of front running uh, i've heard this term many times in this space so if you could throw some light on what front running means and again is this is this something which could lead into fund loss from a contract so um if i describe front running so basically what happens uh, in ethereum let's uh, take an example so people uh, post in various transactions they are all posted to the mempool and uh, what is the transaction when did you post it that's not important what is important is the gas price for the miners okay. so you pay a higher gas price your transaction gets picked up before, before the second mm-hmm. person right mm-hmm. so now what can happen is uh, like there are so many defi applications uh, where we have formula based uh, calculations where suppose uh, you know there's a bonding curve mm-hmm. and uh, if i pay in say x amount of ether i'm expected to get y amount of tokens mm-hmm. but this 
uh, is based on a formula. So say suppose uh, the formula is based on the total supply of tokens. Okay. Now I was expecting say 100 tokens. Mm -hmm. What happens is that somebody initiates a transaction, he front runs a transaction before my transaction gets picked up mm -hmm. and he changes the total supply. This results in the token supply being different from what I had expected. I see. So what now happens is that I should have got 100 tokens. I am, I do not get those 100 tokens. I get something very different so from my expectation. So you got by someone yes. else. Yes. Okay. So these are some financial, there are some financial applications where this can hit really hard. Mm -hmm. uh, when this is coupled with owner privileges, this becomes even more difficult. So for example, I was expecting that the fees that the application was charging was say 1%. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody has access to the owner keys. It might not be on intention, but somebody has access to the keys of the owner. Mm -hmm. And he changes that to suppose say 99%. Mm -hmm. Now I had in mind that I would get 100 tokens. Mm -hmm. Now what would actually happen is that the 99% would go as fees to the owner's key and what I would actually get is just 1%. Mm -hmm. So, But this is the control which the owner can exercise. Precisely. So there are times when the owner has the privilege on the config parameters which are changing the price. Mm -hmm. There are also times when it is something which is like automatically calculated. For example, total supply. This is not in the hands of the total of But how do you, the I owner. mean, how is front running different from ownership control? Uh, can you throw some light on that? See, uh, when I talk about ownership control, uh, it is the right that the owner uh, key has access to change or call some transactions, which changes the state of the system sure. or it, it manipulates the flow of the system. Mm -hmm. But in this case, despite not having the private key, somebody else could also come and manipulate. For example, uh, this is very common on uh, platforms like Uniswap. So that is why today they have a concept of slippage. Mm -hmm. So where uh, if suppose the customer says that I at the max, I expect a 1% slippage. That means whatever price I have seen um, at max 1% below that. Otherwise, please do not complete my transaction. Mm -hmm. So the transaction reverts in this case. Now imagine the slippage was not there. Mm -hmm. And somebody comes and he manipulates the price. Anybody could do that. It's not the owner of Uniswap yeah. who's doing this. Of course. Anybody can play because it's an automated formula which mm -hmm. is man being manipulated. Mm -hmm. So in this case, uh, it's not the owner who's changing it. There are times when the owner has special privileges and he is the one who can change the config parameters. And there are times when it's open to the market. I see. Cool. Uh, that was a very technical discussion, <laughs> but thanks a lot for that, Nitika. I think it's been uh, it's been a, a wonderful uh, episode today. So, guys, uh, see the idea is that if you are building a smart contract application, there are uh, certain caveats uh, where uh, people generally fall prey to, and these caveats can eventually result in a fund loss. Now, that's the last thing you want when you're building an alternative to financial products, uh, which are which are in the CFI market. If you're in the DeFi market, the last thing that you want is that your protocol or product results in a fund loss. So, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll continue to discuss these in the next episodes and, you know, also talk about our other, uh, other the other caveats. Uh, there has, there's a huge list which, which, uh, which people generally fall prey to. But uh, for a beginning, it's been amazing. So, Nitika, thank you so much uh, for this very uh, informative session. Uh, guys, this is us, uh, Ish Goel and Nitika signing off uh, for this episode. Guys, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. If you're in this space, if you're excited about DeFi, writing smart contracts, this is the podcast for you. Uh, you will be listening to a lot of other cool stuff around how to write good contracts. Make sure that they are bug free and uh, stay tuned for more episodes. Thank you. Thank you.